Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. But guys, today we're continuing our series on the Word of God. And uh, as we prepare our hearts for us launching this journey of a year through the Bible in the beginning of March, and for one year, we're going to be hitting some of these great events throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament. You're going to have an overview of the Bible in a way that you've never had before. And it's going to be so stinking fun to talk about some of these areas of the Old Testament that people are like, I don't know, what does this have to do with this or that? But, but listen, it's going to be a blast. And we're going to grow in our relationship with God together. Your family's going to be transformed as you take Take those steps to, to bring it into your family, to allow 10 minutes a day to read scripture, pray together and be together. And you put this, this heart and love for the word of God in your family's life. I'm telling you, it's going to change your family. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your mind. It's going to change your outlook on life. And it's going to be amazing. Everybody says amen to that, right? But today... We're taking, I'm taking some of these, these Sundays leading up to the beginning of March to prepare us to come to the scriptures. It's important we understand that, that we need to have the right view of the Bible as we lean into this. And so I, I want to talk with you today about, God, about keeping God's main thing our main thing as we come to the scriptures. It matters deeply. And so in order to do that, I want to go back to the days of Jesus and remind you of what was happening at that time as we prepare, particularly today, to read through the Old Testament and to read the, the highlights of the Old Testament and for us to understand how do we receive from it what God has for us. And so we go back to the days of Jesus and we go back to the resurrection of Jesus and the day of Pentecost, the disciples decided they're going to do what Jesus told them to do. And they begin to preach the gospel. Now, have you ever wondered how do they preach the gospel without the New Testament? Because what they had was the Old Testament. So we didn't get the New Testament. The New Testament is the, is, is the account of the New Covenant and the New Testament church. And so they were preaching the gospel from the Old Testament. What many people don't realize is that the gospel was exclusively preached in Israel for three and a half years after the resurrection of Jesus. It was exclusively preached for three and a half years. So they, the gospel first came to the Jews and the gospel after Jesus' resurrection was preached to the Jews for three and a half years. And then it went to the rest of the world when Stephen was stoned and the high priest rejected, rejected the gospel as a whole and started killing and going after Christians. And then at that point, then the gospel began to spread, but it was their honor and favor of God to receive the gospel only in Israel for three and a half years after the resurrection. Then it went to the rest of the world. Now, what's interesting too is before the gospel, from Jesus' baptism and God spoke from heaven, said, this is my son who is, whom I'm well pleased, do as he says, from his baptism to his resurrection was also three and a half years. So combining them, it was seven years of favor from the baptism and ministry of Jesus. The son of God walked among, their, walked among the Jews. 
and healed and preached and spoke. There is no greater honor on the face of the planet than to have God's son, the Messiah of the world, in your midst, in the midst of your people group, ministering. And so he did it for three and a half years, and then the gospel was, was preached for three and a half years. And there's a couple one-offs that, that other people who were in Israel heard the gospel and then took it back. Yes, that, that has happened, but it was exclus exclusively preached by the disciples. So it's important we, we understand, what did they use to preach it? How did they preach the gospel without John 3.16? How did they preach the gospel without the account of of Matthew and the birth of Jesus. They used the scriptures to preach, but what they used was called the Tanakh, which has been translated into English for us, and we call it the Old Testament. It's important to understand that the church was built on the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. And so as they preached the message, the church grew. As they used the passages of the Old Testament, the church grew. And they kept the mission and the purpose and the work of Jesus pure in the New Testament, the New Testament church. And this continued for many years, that the preaching of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, the mission of Jesus in the church, now that we are part of the church, our mission from Jesus. That's what it was preached over and over and over again in all the churches that were planted from that point. Now I'll tell you the reason why I'm telling you all of this in just a moment. It would have been absolutely though unheard of and rebuked by the apostles of any leader of any church of the early church Use the Old Testament to move the focus of God's people to something other than seeing, knowing, and worshiping Jesus and giving their life and their effort and their resources to the furthering of the ministry of Jesus through the local church. It would have been rebuked. It's what the church was all about. Their identity was not in them or me or my passion. Their identity as a church was in Jesus and his passion and his mission. So later in the New Testament church, Paul writes this in Colossians 1. He says, he, meaning Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now look at this. Catch this. That in everything. Let's say everything. So in everything, he might be preeminent. Number one, everything, including the Old Testament. Who we are as a church is not about who we are. It's not about who you are. It's not about, well, I just have a, have a passion for whatever. No, 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 that's not the purpose of the church. It's about who Jesus is. And so as time passed from the beginning of the church, leaders of the church and Christians then started doing other things. They started shaping the church and shaping the word of God around them. And how many know that you're gonna have some problems when you take the divine word of God and shape it around you? Meaning they read and they preached and they used the Bible to focus on ideas and truths that were out of context. In other words, they took the truth of God's word and they put it in the wrong order. So it's still truth, it's just truth out of order. Truth is not a bingo wheel where you got all these bingo 
balls in there. It's, well, they're all truth. They're all scriptures. And you just turn it and you reach in, you snag one and you go, this is what I'm going to build my, my, my life. No, no, hang on. Hang on a second. There is, God has an order, has an order for truth. And so over time, it, it's called individuals and churches and Christian organizations to build on that which was not the priority or the wrong, it was they built on the wrong order of truth. They built on the wrong priority of scripture. And many have not kept God's main thing, the main thing. And so what is God's main thing? As we, as we prepare our hearts to spend a year in scripture, what's God's main thing as we come to the Old Testament? What is he wanting to say? How, how was it that the preachers of, of the new covenant right, right out of the gate after Jesus' resurrection used the Old Testament to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? We should know this. And so I want to prepare our hearts as we, as we lean into this. And so I, I don't want to tell you actually what God's main thing is. I'm going to let Jesus tell us. Is that okay if we do that? Everybody say amen to that, right? And so Jesus is going to tell us today. But before I get into the, the passage in Luke 24, I want to give us a context. So before we're about to read what Jesus just, just is, is going to say to us today about the purpose and meaning of God's main thing. Before we get to the passage, I want you to know that the context is Mary Magdalene and Johanna and Mary went to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And as they approached, they saw the stone that sealed the tomb and it was rolled to the side. Now, as they walked up, these couple guys, the scripture says they were in dazzling clothing. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure they had some nice clothes on. I guess is what it means. But their, their, their garments dazzled. There was something, well, they were angels. But they said something to them, and this is what they said. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must, deliver, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. So they heard this. These women who loved Jesus, Jesus' mama loved him. And he said, this is great. She said, this is great. They run back to the disciples. And they're like, you're never, gonna, you're, you're never gonna believe what just happened. And they go, you're right, we don't believe you. They were typical men who had to go figure it out themselves, weren't they? All the women say amen. Okay. Listen, I'm a man. I can throw myself under the bus. It's fine. So they don't believe him. So then you have Peter runs to the tomb. He gets there, looks in, and there's folded grave clothes. So this is the context. We start now the next verse, Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I wish, I, I wish I could just show up and just be a little just person there walking with it. That would be so amazing. But look, their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. And look, look at this interaction of Jesus. He says to them, What is this, what's this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? This is the resurrected Jesus. 
What are y'all talking about? And when he asked them, it says, and they stood still, looking sad. I mean, their whole world had been blown up. I mean, talk about a couple sad dudes on a walk, and they stop. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answers him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And this is why I love Jesus. And he said to them, what things? There's a spiritual principle here. Sometimes, sometimes, how do you say this? God acts dumb so that you will reveal something about yourself so he can show you something about yourself. What things? And they answered him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Notice they didn't say he was the Messiah. Notice they didn't say he was the, the savior of the world because they hadn't connected it yet. So he was a prophet, yes, he was a mighty man, yes, he healed, they saw all of it, but they didn't connect it. So in the presence of Jesus, they say he was a prophet and a mighty person. And then they go on to say, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. In other words, it's, it's over. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. Obviously, this was something they had totally missed. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things, look at this, concerning himself. So beginning with Moses and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Now look at this. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized them. And then once they did, he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Say the scriptures. What scriptures? The Old Testament. The most important truth. Now hear me today. Please hear my heart today. The most important truth we must understand as we come to the scriptures of the Old Testament, how, do, how we keep God's main thing in our Bible, our main thing, is number one, the entirety of the Bible is pointing to Jesus Christ. 
I've actually been in discussion with ministers who disagreed with this. And I was like, well, you can disagree with me, but maybe you should ask Jesus. Because he was pretty clear. Friends, listen, I want to prepare you today as you come to the Old Testament and, and find the beauty of it. Don't let anyone convince you anything other than the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. The Old Testament is proclaiming Jesus is coming. It's looking forward. The gospels are proclaiming Jesus is here. Acts tell us, go tell the world about Jesus. And Revelation tells us Jesus is coming back again. But from from the Old Testament, it's looking and pointing to the cross and resurrection. After the cross and resurrection, everything is pointing, looking back to the cross and resurrection. If you don't get this, or a church doesn't get this, as the, now, now hear me, as the primary truth and God's main thing of the Bible, you and a church or a ministry or an organization will end up with what's called mission drift from the original idea, from God's idea. We'll come to the scriptures not to find God's main thing, but to try to prove our main thing is God's main thing of the Bible. And you will get what's called truth out of order. And you will read the Bible with confirmation bias, meaning you're just, you read it just to prove that your passion and your heart and what you think is the main thing is the main thing. And you'll end up with mission drift, purpose drift, relational drift with God and others because you replace God's biblical truth or order of truth with your own because someone else said it because somehow it's a passion of yours. Friends, hear me today. Jesus is the true north of the scriptures. He's the central unifying theme and with him as your direction and, and as your north, you will remain on mission. You will have a purpose. You will have a passion that'll sustain you. You'll be excited to wake up in the morning and know what your mission and purpose of your life is as you go to work, as you serve your family, as you come to church, as you go to King Supers, as you go wherever, you're gonna know this is what I'm called to do. This is my purpose and my mission because it's God's purpose and God's mission. And it's so important we understand this. And when, when you find, when you submit under God's main purpose, you don't have to be a part of, of, of niche kind of Christian groups that, that really just gather so they can tell each other that our main truth is the main truth and they just keep saying it so they can convince one another. And when you keep God's main thing, the main thing in your life, you will find yourself thriving in your relationship with God in the scriptures because your main thing, you're reading it, understanding God's main thing. And therefore everything, if you want to get everything out of the scriptures, you, you have the truth in the right order. You have the right filter as you come to the Old Testament. And Jesus is talking in this passage about the Old Testament, the word of God and saying from Moses to Malachi, it's about me. And, and so when the New Testament was written, it was an extension of the Old Testament. It just now sheds greater light and clarity on the Old Testament. 
But it's an extension. What extension? That it's all about Jesus. Many people, as they lean into the Old Testament, they get distracted by scriptures. They get distracted by, by, the, by different things. And they create a different true north. So friends, don't get distracted by these things, but keep following it to Jesus. That's the purpose of it. Those in the Old Testament looked ahead to the coming Christ and they were saved by their, by their faith in God. They were saved by grace and faith alone. And then on the other side of the cross, everybody is saved by faith and grace alone in what is, was looking forward from the old and what's looking back in the new covenant. So let's look again at what Jesus was saying so we can learn from, prepare our hearts to be transformed by the word of God. I'm, I, it's gonna be so fun. But Jesus says this in verse 25, 27, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Beginning with Moses to the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus is saying this, listen, listen, fellas, all of the prophets, the purpose of the prophecies were spoken with one voice, with one heart, with one purpose. They've never contradicted each other. It's recorded in scripture that they've all, there's been a perfect, unifying, perfect harmony. They speak one language, one truth, and the main thing is lift your eyes to Jesus. The whole of the Old Testament, the accounts, Abraham, the law, the prophets, the stories, the acts of God, it's all about getting and bringing people to himself. God bringing people to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who is to come. So listen, as you, as you read the Old Testament, don't get distracted by, by these things and get some things out of order. Don't get distracted by prophecies, though they're important. They're not the most. Don't get distracted by the law, by, by, by Israel or by social justice or by any other thing. But allow those things to reveal God's main thing, Jesus and the mission and the purpose of the church, the heart of God is Jesus. Amen? We need to prepare our hearts to stay pure to the heart of God. Jesus says this in 5 John 39, he's speaking to religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But look at this. And it is they, what? Scriptures that bear witness about me. What scriptures is he talking about? The Old Testament. If the Old Testament, you could say this, it was a telescope, and you began to look through the eyepiece of the Old Testament, or that telescope, it is fixed and focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is testifying of Jesus. Don't get distracted by particular portions, which many do of an event or a scripture or a promise, but let it lead you to Jesus. This is why Paul writing to the churches says this, we preach Christ. This is Paul who's, who's a genius and educated deeply into the law and Judaism. He's planting new churches. Look what he tells the churches. 
For I decided to know nothing. Everybody say nothing. Among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The word, when we come to the Old Testament with this main thing, as our filter, allows us to see God's heart. Allows you to see God's plan for your life. Allows you to know that you're a part of something that's great that God now invites you in. Now, I don't think, though, that Jesus is teaching that in this passage that to these men that every detail of the Old Testament is pointing, is a, is, a, is a type or a shadow or a picture of Jesus. But what he's saying is the, the overall movement of the Old Testament is pointing to him. Now remember, they're looking for Jesus in this passage. They were, the disciples, everybody was looking for Jesus to overthrow the government. They were looking for a different kind of glory, a different type of, of, of power. And they were clueless of the full work of Jesus Christ. And we can also pick up these wrong things as we come to the Old Testament. If we're clueless of the overall arching main theme is we can start creating our own thing just like the disciples did. And so they're walking with Jesus for seven miles. So they're with Jesus for only under two hours. So I don't think he, he went through everything of the, of, the, of the Old Testament and went through every little detail, but he gave them kind of these highlights, these high points. And so I want to share some of them with you today because Jesus says this. He says, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Was it not necessary? See, that word necessary is the key here. It's necessary. So Jesus is necessary, then he goes to suffer. He's talking about suffering. The beginning of Moses and the prophets, these scriptures are concerning me, he says. So then it's necessary, he connects it to suffering. And so now, what did Jesus say on that road? Now, I don't know, I wasn't there, but it would have been connected to his suffering. He was proving to them that his suffering was necessary. They were dejected and down because they, he suffered. And so he begins with Moses. The context here again is his suffering. This is the part they had missed. They were looking for something else. And he was reminding them of his suffering for their sin, for your sin. And he used the Old Testament. So what of the Old Testament would Jesus have used? I wish I would have known. I wish you could have heard him. But I just want to point out a few today. How would he have connected the dots? of God's main thing of the Old Testament and his sufferings. Remember, it's just his sufferings. I think he probably would have said, hey, I wanna connect some things for you, the Garden of Eden, where God proclaims that the heel of the seed of the woman must be bruised, that seed is him. He will, he, meaning Jesus, will crush the head of the serpent, but he will be bruised and he will suffer. But he will recover from that suffering. And even in that is a foreshadowing of the resurrection. Look, this is the main point of the Old Testament. Or maybe he was connecting the dots. And I pray they encourage you today to know God's heart for you. That the animal in the garden that had to be used to clothe Adam and Eve would have had to have been slain. And, and, and that alone would have covered their nakedness after they had sinned, a foreshadowing of the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ to cover us with his righteousness. 
Or then maybe he brought up Genesis 4, the blood of Abel's sacrifice must be shed in order for it to be a better, acceptable sacrifice. Or maybe Genesis 22, the ram caught in the thicket that must be offered by Abraham. As Abraham went to sacrifice his son because God said, God stops him. And Abraham looks over and there's a ram whose horns are caught in the thicket. It is at this moment that he reveals that Jesus is the lamb in the thicket. Instead of God requiring from us our own sacrifice, this is the moment that Abraham says, God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the one who doesn't require me to sacrifice, but God would provide my sacrifice for me. He's the ram caught in the thicket. The Passover lamb. I'm sure Jesus talked about this, that must be slain and the blood must be applied to the doorpost of each home and so, so that death would pass over. But in order for death to pass over, there must be a death of the one lamb who is innocent on behalf of the one who is guilty. Jesus is the Passover lamb. In the Levitical sacrificial system, it was a picture of Jesus' suffering where the head of the household would be required to kill a bull and slay the young bull to offer up the cleansing for him and his family. Or maybe Jesus connected the dots for them and the necessity of his sufferings that God has been saying all along in the Old Testament. They, didn't, they missed it. They didn't see it. And I wonder if Jesus would have said, remember the bronze serpent of the wilderness. They were under a curse of the snakes. They were biting them. They were dying. Remember the, the, the bronze serpent that Moses held up and on a pole that all who looked upon the serpent, that curse of the snakes would be broken, that he himself Connects the dots and say, I was the one, the one that you would look upon on the cross, on a pole in my suffering. And as you looked at me, the curse of sin is broken off of your life. This is the story of God from the beginning. Jesus would have, I think, would have connected. Hey, listen, you know, Psalm 22, the greater son of David must cry out, that is me. That I cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? I'm that one. I'm the one in, in Psalms that would be surrounded by my enemies and like roaring lions and they would pierce my hands and my feet. That they would count my bones and know that if I had a broken bone or not, they would divide my garments. That's me that is spoken of in the Old Testament. And I'm sure Jesus would have connected the dots and to encourage us today to know that he saw you from the beginning of time and God was painting a picture that your life matters to him, your purpose matters to him, that he knows you couldn't do it on your own. So he sent his son. This wasn't some accidental plan. This was God's heart and God's plan from the beginning because he wanted you to be his family and he gave his son for you. You should leave here today with a fresh understanding of what God's purpose and plan and love for you. I'm sure he connected the dots that, that I am the one that the scripture speaks of, that 
the Messiah that a friend would, who would eat bread with would, would sell me for 30 pieces of silver. That's me. I'm the one that didn't have a bone broken because the scripture says I would not. I'm the one that they spoke of, that they looked upon me, looked upon my suffering, looked upon my pain, and I was a public spectacle, naked and shivering over my, under my own humanity and my own pain. That's me. That my sufferings would be put on display. That I would pay the price for everyone. I'm the one that must be hated by a nation out of Isaiah 49. I'm the one that they spoke of out of the Old Testament. They beat me. They scorned me. They ripped my beard out. They mocked me. They told me to heal yourself, physician. And I never corrected them. I never spoke to them. I, w I used very few words. I said, I am. I said, John, take care of my mother. But in the midst of my screams and pain, I said, Father, forgive them. And they unfolded the Old Testament. And when the prophets spoke of when I was despised and forsaken, a man of sorrows, acquainted with griefs, bore the world's griefs and sorrow, the piercings in my body were for your transgressions. The crushing that the Old Testament spoke of was for your iniquities. And the one who was cut off from the land of the living was me. And just like Jesus on the road to Emmaus and like us today, we don't have a, enough time to cover. But this is just the sufferings of Jesus. We could go on and on, but we need to know this, that the Old Testament passages that speak, they, 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 they're like a, a wall that they are built. And the whole message is that Jesus is our Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of David. He is the seed of the woman. He is the bless, blessing to the nations from the seed of Abraham. And there is a clear message in the Old Testament that I want to prepare your hearts for when you come. God's main thing of the Old Testament is about his very own precious Son, Jesus Christ. That's what the disciples missed. And that's what we can miss. And I want you to know today, I want to encourage you today, don't miss it. We come to the Old Testament to see God's heart, to see God's purpose, to see God's intent for your life. Don't get distracted. Keep God's main thing, our main thing, and live a life that's full of joy, it's full of purpose. Listen, this is, this, is what, this is what Peter preached. This is what Stephen preached. This is what Paul preached. This is the entire message of the day of Pentecost. This is what they preached. Listen, if you read the Old Testament, if you come out that some main thing is something else, listen, you're reading it with the wrong glasses. You're sitting in a, in a, in a, dark, a dark room. You're not looking at the whole heart of God and what Jesus said about the Old Testament. So we want to listen to Jesus and follow that so that you can grow. Now, I close with this. When their eyes were open, when they saw God's main thing, look what happened. 
Their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, oh, did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, look, 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 while he opened to us the scriptures. If you want your heart on fire for Jesus, come to the scriptures old and new and let it lead you closer to Jesus. If you want a personal revival in your own life, allow the scriptures to reveal who Jesus is and how much he loves you and cares for you and gave his life for you and gave you a purpose and a mission that he brought you into his family so now you can go out and make his family bigger and larger wherever you go. If, if, you, if you want to, to wake up in the morning with, with something in your, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, more than just, well, just another day, you keep the main thing of God's heart, the main thing. Don't dethrone Jesus from the Old Testament and make it about something else that you like or someone else told you it was like. Put Jesus in his rightful place at the right hand of the Father in glory that all of the Old Testament speaks and leads people to him. If you want to be transformed, if you, if you, want, if you want to break things off of your life, if you, want to, if you want to live differently, if you want to shatter addictions, if you want, to, want God to use you to heal the sick and preach the gospel or, or be a light in the midst of darkness, then put Jesus in his rightful place. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords of the Old and the New Testament. And that we would never elevate a greater truth or another truth over the greatest truth. That we would never elevate anything in our hearts, in our church, in our purpose, in our mission, other than everything we do is for the glory of Jesus. Everything we do is about telling others about Jesus. Everything. And if you find yourself today entangled in a niche group that doesn't preach Jesus, but you say you're Christian, I would ask you to evaluate that very deeply and align your heart and your resources and your purpose with God's heart, His Son. And open your life and receive what God has for you. The greatest, friends, hear me today. I'll close with this. The greatest gift you could ever, if you're a parent here today, the greatest gift you could ever give your children is a love for Jesus. Is a love for him. The greatest thing that you, your family your life, this church, the greatest thing that we should strive to ever be known by, that place loves Jesus. That place believes in the gospel that they say they believe in. Why? Because someone told me about it. The greatest t-shirt you, you could ever wear, it says, I love Jesus. We must keep God's main thing, our main thing.
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we commit this time to you. God, thank you so much for the graciousness of your people as I've been talking and sharing your word today. Lord, I ask you that if there's anything in our life that we've gotten off kilter or we've made another main thing a main thing, just show us, cleanse us, forgive us. May we live our lives with your heart and mind, the main thing. And Jesus, we thank you today for just the, the small amount of time that we took just to look at a few things in the Old Testament that speak of your suffering. Today we say, Jesus, we're so grateful for your suffering for us so that the world might be saved through you, but that we have been entrusted as the people of God to carry that message to the hurting, to the broken, to the lost. May we continue to honor you with our life. God, thank you for elders at this church that have placed Jesus on his rightful place as the leader and the number one purpose of our church. Thank you, God, for faithful men. Thank you for staff of faithful men and women who have placed Jesus on their rightful place, in his rightful place. Thank you, God, for the people that we, I so get the honor of serving with your word week after week. Thank you, Lord, for people who are willing to humble themselves, to make changes, to lean into you, to view scripture from your, your position. And God, may you release revival in our midst as we honor your son in our midst. We love you. We're thankful for you. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed today. And I want to give honor to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you recognize that you are not saved and you want to give your life to Jesus right now, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right where you are. Don't let this moment pass you by. This is why you're here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. I'm just going to ask you to pray it from your heart. And just say, let's all say together, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for revealing to me that I need you. I give you my life. I come into alignment with what you've done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. I give you my life and I will follow you with your spirit and your help. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, right in front of you is a QR code. You can scan that and it'll take you to what your next steps are. So church, bless you. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you for your patience today. I want to pray God's blessings over you. If you have any prayer requests after service, our prayer team is here. We'd love to pray with you. If you gave your life to Jesus today, our prayer team would love to pray with you as well. So if you can, just lift your hands to the Lord so I can bless you. Father, bless your people. God bless them. Strengthen them today. Heal them. Bring restoration to them. Prosper everything they put their hands to so that they could bring you glory through what they do. God, strengthen their hearts. Heal their hearts. 
Restore their relationships, God. Those who, who are longing for a relationship, lead them to the right person and protect them. God, I ask you today that you would move in their life, move in their families, that as they leave here today, they would understand why they exist. And that's to bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.